Hello, welcome. <laughs> welcome uh, to my fantastic guests, three fabulous women who I work very closely with through my committee, uh, so the Justice and Emergency Services Management Committee. Really excited to be hosting this podcast, Protect UK's Women in Tech Month. For the benefit of our listeners, and before I introduce you, my fantastic guests, I just want to introduce you to Women in Tech Month, which has officially launched. So for the whole of March, we want to discuss actions that both industry and government can and should take towards the normative and societal good of equal representation in the sector. So anything from supporting women returners, career switches, and progression in the industry to exploring the impact of flexible working and the gender pay gap. Lots to absorb, lots to learn. So make sure you visit our website, which is www.techuk.org. Find out more. So with such a fantastic campaign month, I thought it'd be really important to host this podcast. As a woman in tech, yes, but also in policing, a male-dominated industry, uh, I wanted to discuss really what it's like being a woman in tech, in policing, and any words of wisdom we can share. So without further ado, I'll introduce you to my fabulous guests. So we have Moira Roberts. So Moira is the public sector lead, Blue Light Justice and Central Government at Cloud Gateway. Charlotte Hales, uh, so Justice and Policing Lead at Virgin Media O2 Business. Hi. And Linda Wales, Home Office and Justice Account Director at Pegasystems. Hi, Georgie. And finally, me, so Georgie Henley, Head of Justice and Emergency Services at Tech UK. So to get us started, I thought I'd share some striking statistics. So according to Statistics, I think that's how you pronounce it. Statisticians. 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 Yeah, I've not heard statistics before. No. We'll go with that. Uh, <laughs> distribution of police ranks uh, in England and Wales in 2022. Um, so 64.5% of police constables in England and Wales were males, um, compared with 35.5% who were female. And then the higher up in the police ranks we go, the share of females is lower, um, with around a quarter of police sergeants and inspectors being female. And then the highest rank of chief officer um, has a distribution of 68.7% male to 31.3% female. I'll let that one sink in. Okay, so series of questions for my three fabulous guests, so I'll get us started. Kick us off, you know, first tell me what it's like being a woman in tech, and why do you think it's so important to have this conversation? I'll come to Linda first, because oh, she's looking at you. me. <laughs> what it's like to be a woman in tech? Well, I started out about 25 years ago, and I've got to be honest, it's pretty similar now to what it was then in terms of how many women there are in tech. I don't know what you ladies think. And it's 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 difficult. You know, it's a male dominated world in, in a lot of areas, policing, defence, tech, tech is one of those. But, you know, as a woman who's determined to make a success of her career and has always been ambitious, you know, I like a challenge. So, I came into the, this industry not really knowing what to expect and I've just battled through it ever since. But there are definitely high points, you know, working with fabulous women like you girls, um, working in such fantastic um, sectors like government and specifically justice and, and home office, etc. And just sort of learning and getting to know the ropes as you go along. But I must admit, I wish I'd had more advice before I came in. Than I, than I had, which was nothing. I kind of fell into it because I, I, I was told the money was good. And it is, but it's not that straightforward. There's a lot of highs and lows. Yeah, I mean, for me, it was never about the tech. It was always about having an interest in policing. And I think it you can sometimes get lost 
in the whole, oh, it's tech and it's got to be really clever. I mean, I can barely work a mobile phone. And you know, no, mobile phone. So for me, I suppose it is hard, but it's kind of probably the same as you, Linda. It's all I've ever known. Yeah. So it's, it's never, I've never thought of it as hard until we decided to do this podcast. And I thought, actually, it's quite tough. And when you read those statistics, which are quite shocking, actually, particularly in this day and age, it's, yeah. it's food for thought. It proves it's still hard. Yeah, well, just to echo what Linda said, I think I'm really lucky because I found some great allies through Tech UK's Justice and Emergency Services Committee. And I was surprised about the sense of community that exists in terms of wider suppliers. Now, I think in terms of why it's important, you have to acknowledge like, where we are and be honest about, about our feelings around being in tech. But there's an opportunity to just dispel some myths and yeah. lay some fears here I mean I thought policing was underrepresented okay <laughs> and then I remember my first bath call in October 21 and I'd been in Virgin Media Auto Business for like five weeks and I remember walking around uh, in that hall in, in Coventry and everybody was looking as you're in the minority yes, yes. looking minority. yes but I didn't yeah. know why. And then I realised after five minutes that the vast majority of people there were men. Yes. Um, so, you know, I think for me, the challenges have been not because of, of being a woman, really, but actually I think sometimes it's really hard with the technical detail yeah. in technology. Yeah. I'm learning a huge amount. But, yeah, it, it challenges your brain in a different way, I think. Men in sales, in tech sales, are so good at understanding the tech problem from a technical point of view and relaying that back and aligning it to stuff. But I found that actually, as tech's evolved, it's not about the tech, it's about the business outcome. So as long as you're good at talking and understanding the business opportunity and the business outcome, you're probably doing better than a lot of the guys because a lot of the guys are still in that product set and talking about tech rather than the business outcome what's interesting that i've found so and you might find it as well linda with sort of the justice and policing side so the interactions that i have with both members that are the justice sort of account leads and also those across like the moj mm. you work with a lot of women yeah. go on to working group calls you know people putting themselves forward are predominantly women and it's fantastic yeah. but then as soon as you go on to the policing sides are not just engaging with serving police officers, but those account leads mm -hmm. tend to be more male. Yeah. And when you have that comparison to make, it's just, it really makes the point. But you know why that is, don't you? Because quite often, I mean, like you've done, Charlotte, it's really beneficial for industry to employ someone who's had a policing yes. background. If you're a good employer, you want to truly understand your market, you go for somebody who's got a police or justice background. And as the stats have already said, they're yeah. predominantly male. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's kind of yeah. like self-perpetuating, isn't it? Really? Yes, it is. Yeah. yeah. Well, out there then. So, you know, why did you why did you pick this sort of career path? Or, you know, I said policing was the interest. Maybe you sort of fell into this career path. You know, did is this what you wanted to do when you were growing up? Charlotte, as a former police officer, did you, you know, is this something that you always wanted to do? So, yeah, I mean, I, I chose policing. It wasn't my first choice. It was actually always my backup plan. But what, it, what's your first choice? My first, I wanted to be a doctor. Uh, um, oh. But then when I was in my A-level years, I, you know, got a boyfriend and <laughs> got more interested in going out to clubs yeah. and 
drinking and my grades my grades sucked a bit so I um I decided to to go down uh, another path but I knew at the age of 17 that I was going to go and be a police officer right. and I did everything to get into that career so and then I did 17 years so at 17 what? I knew I was going to be a police officer and then I did <laughs> nearly 17 years but I did choose tech when I left because I felt that I wanted to be relevant I wanted to future proof what I did um, and I saw it as an opportunity to to learn and grow as well as bridging a gap that clearly exists between policing and the private sector. So what's amazing for me now is that I've been able to carry forward the skills, the experience and the knowledge that I picked up in that policing career and combine it with technology. So actually my policing career isn't over. Yeah. I've just taken it in a different direction. So yeah, my heart my heart is is in policing and public service, but actually this new love for for technology as well. It's a really interesting, exciting combination. So yeah, was tech sort of in when you were a serving police officer? These sort of interactions with sort of technology was that what was your role within policing? I mean, for the vast majority of my career, I did operational policing roles. So you know, advanced through the ranks and and worked in you know frontline policing investigative policing safeguarding and it wasn't until i went to counter terrorism policing that i actually was involved in some sort of next generation technology programs and part of forums that were about working with a supplier and trying to get people who were using that technology to get the most out of it to help develop it so that's when i started to get a bit of insight into of what that looked like. So mainly a user in my police career rather than somebody who works specifically in technology mm. projects. What about yourselves, Maura? So I absolutely never wanted to work in tech and I just, a bit like you really, went to college, went, went to university, messed around a bit, had a good time, took the first job I could, went into account management, it's all about relationship building and then I fell into a job working for Airwave, which was an operational role, so they were and then I got a real appreciation for how important the role of the police is and how important it is as suppliers to make sure that we're responsible. So it was critical that the radios worked or people died. And, and that to me is obvious, isn't it? But mm -hmm. actually, unless you think about it or you're an officer, serving officer who relies on that radio, you kind of don't really think about it. And that's how I got into it. And I, I've always ever since then been looking after police and I feel really passionate about it. But it's never about the tech for me. It's always about and we all work in Linda and I work in sales roles. But I don't think you can sell to anyone if they don't need it. And yeah, also yeah. it's not very responsible. So I never think of it as selling tech. I think about it going to understand the customer, understanding what the challenges are and working out how we can help. So I don't see it as tech and I don't really mm -hmm. see it as sales. I see it more as cheesy, but it's more for the good, particularly when you're working in a in for the police or justice or whatever. Yeah. We all rely on yeah. Who do you call if you need if you yeah. need someone? You ring the police, don't you? Yeah. And that's massively critical for me. So that's kind of how I fell into it and I love it and that's why I work where I do because I'm allowed to make a difference and decide where I think we should take it so that's not about the tech what about you Linda? Well I wanted to be a lawyer. I can see that. Yes totally <laughs> yeah I can I can see that definitely. I think my husband sees it because he knows I always want the last word. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but I couldn't I couldn't sit in a classroom I was not an academic mm. page you know I was good at my grades and stuff but hated being in a classroom I just got bored so I went into retail because I loved fashion so I worked for Next back in the day when they so were really 
I worked for French Connection. So I did a few years doing that. And then my first proper sort of field sales job was working for Crown Wall Coverings. So I got I, I got taught how to wallpaper and to understand all the different wallpaper types. I know, who knew? There's all different types. I could boil <laughs> you with this stuff. I used to sit oh, in a pub and go, oh, this is a duplex. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's very bizarre. And then I realised about that time the World Wide Web had come out. People were doing sort of stuff on discs. And I was like, oh, this technology is going to be probably here to stay. So I jumped ship and got my first technology job and I've been and that was working with government as well, selling into government. And I've been doing that pretty much ever since. And I have to be honest, when I first started doing it, it was a lot to do with the money. It was like, you know, just get get in this job, earn some decent money. And then as I've got older and as we've all, all, we got older, we're getting older, you, you, your opinion changes of what you're doing, I think. Yeah. And now... For me, when I retire, if I can leave a legacy behind that says I helped a victim because I changed that process or that solution, then that would, don't get me wrong, the money's still important, but that would make my day if I could go off and feel like I genuinely helped a victim Yeah, and made a difference. Because otherwise, what's it all for? You know, the money's nice, but so what? You know, you only have so many handbags, can't you? You can only have so many handbags. Who does have some great handbags? Fabulous handbags. You know, if I could, if I could retire, going, do you know what? I've made that victim process better, and there are more things happening because of something I did. That that would be fantastic. I'd be very happy with that. And maybe not a conversation for today, but sort of wanting to make that difference and mm. supporting victims. Yeah. Obviously, launched both the violence against women and girls working group and yeah. the. Rape and serious sexual offences working groups. A lot to lot to do there yeah, to support like, women and young people. So yeah, yeah conversation for for a separate podcast. Yeah, but I wanted to be a vet when I was growing up. Yeah, I could see you as a vet. Then wanted to also I wanted to be a lawyer. Um, uh, well, but I was told by a family friend that you'd spend your entire university time at university with your head buried in books, and I was like, yeah, that's not for me. I want to have a bit of fun. So what did you do at university? Criminology. Oh, yeah. So it's sort of always an interest and yeah. the classic like police interceptors and 24 hours in police custody. Yes. Yeah. All that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Completely was just me growing up, went to criminology, left, and then yeah, worked with um Met Police for a few years before coming in. What was you doing in Met? So I did I worked with them, so I was part of the business crime reduction partnership. Okay. So I did the sort of um, business engagement, sort of some of the Project Griffin counterterrorism training, okay. how to help, like how to report a crime online or intelligence sharing, like how to identify a shoplifter, all that type of stuff. Okay. And we had this like radio network, so it was a bit like a pub watch, shop watch type thing. So they're all up and down the country. But That's interesting. Yeah, it was good. So it wasn't really like a tech, well, it sort of was a bit of a tech element to that, yeah. on the like radios and the intelligence system yeah. and like understanding how important it is to share data. But like not to the extent where I'd come in here and be absorbed into the world of like metaverse oh, and no, no, no. all of that. So it's sort of definitely eye opening, but fallen into the tech side, but always been in the sort of police, always had the interest yeah. in policing. Very good. Yeah. Interesting. OK, so what do you think then the benefits are of a career in tech in particular? So we've spoken about sort of always having that love for policing and sort of falling into the sort of career path around technology. You know, what have the benefits been for you guys? What, from a professional perspective? Both. I, well, I think the benefits 
in some respects are obvious. The technology is so good these days. I mean, it's getting better all the time. It's it's being able to influence again the services, the process, the the stuff that say a police or a police force is able to present out to the citizens that they're supporting. Do do we think that policing are at the front of technology and they're at front of innovation? No. Would they like to be? Probably. Is it as easy as that? Definitely not. But I think I've worked with councils, I've worked with fire, policing, central government, I've worked with probably most public sector. And it's just it's been really exciting to help influence what they do next and help them change things for the better. From a personal perspective, it's been fantastic to meet a lot of the people that I've met, you know, the people that work in public sector. They do so much and, and they try so hard to do so much good and their hands are tied behind their backs half the time. So they can't really do what they want to do. But meeting some of these people and their roles and you mentioned counterterrorism and serious organised crime and stuff like that. It is just fascinating. Mm. And we'll never know the true good work that these guys do because a lot of it's secretive. But, you know, it's just exciting sort of getting to know these people and, and knowing that there are there's more to it than you think as a citizen, as a general Joe public, and just being involved in just the lightest amount of touch on that is, is super exciting. Also, it's very varied. I think that's what's great yeah. about working with Pep, because what's the latest trend now? It's so fast moving. Yeah, mm. it is so fast moving. Mm. And if you've got a really short sense of which I have, it's not very transactional and it's constantly changing. Mm. Yeah. So for me, that's that's the attraction. That's that's the, yeah. the great thing about being yeah. and also these inspirational ladies like ourselves where actually we can do it we can do a good job we've got reasonably senior roles in what we do i don't think we do a bad job so you know, what about you charlotte so i mean for me i think the importance and relevance of tech to our lives can't be underestimated and i think i've learned so much about things that just like kind of existed in the background but actually understanding what it can mean and and the difference that tech can make if we get it right yeah. that's been like a huge eye-opener and I think because of the relevance to both personal and professional lives and because it's everywhere that's one of the major benefits for tech and it feels like we're part of something that matters you know yeah. we talk about that connection to policing but the connection as well to technology we've got a part of influence there what the future looks like Definitely. and the impact that technology can have on lives and it it yeah it's it's for me it's it's now it's the future and it's it's not going away is it no. it's changing all the time and do you think you had that same opinion pre and didn't think I'd bring up COVID but I still feel like it's important that that someone, <laughs> I still feel like we can at this point because it's still it's not gone away it's not going away but do you think because that's what we've done for the last couple of years right is talk about how covid has yeah you know accelerated digital transformation and particularly for like public services so sort of your what you just said there charlotte what was your opinion the same pre-covid on actually the power of um sort of digital and so or has it changed in a positive or negative way around actually the impact it can have? So, as you say, it's massively accelerated. Now, I was serving police officer at the time of COVID. So when it when it first came out, I was working in counterterrorism policing as a senior officer. And there were no business con contingency or continuity plans for lots of people. Mm -hmm. 
it was all about if there was a natural disaster or if you had a power outage. Or, yeah. It was all about stuff, but not what happened if you mm-hmm. had people who were sick or mm-hmm. died or couldn't be at work. Yeah. And going through or having to adapt to some some ways of working without technology or with old-fashioned like conference phone for some really high-risk stuff and managing the security aspects it was a, a worrying time and then seeing how quickly policing adapted to that need to bring on board new technology or just get better at doing basics yeah. and I think because of that because it pushed things so far down a path where they had to rely on it and use it in a different way and then transform ways of working as well. And don't get me wrong, because there's always that requirement for police officers to go out, be present in in the public, you know, being interacting with communities, responding to calls for service, whatever it might be. But actually, when it comes to multi-agency working, speaking to partners, you know, sharing information or having interactions, there was a realisation, well, actually... If we've got the technology right, we don't have to be in the same room anymore. And no. getting everybody in a room can be really problematic. And getting the right people in the room to manage threat and risk also really challenging. So yeah, I think I think it's it's just changed the face of everything, not just for policing, but just for our lives. But the disappointing thing about that, although that's brilliant and it's advanced everything massively, and it did, we all saw that. The disappointing thing is it's probably brought everything to where it should be. But it's not gone beyond and the chances are it'll probably stay here for a while again now before it goes forward again. So it would have it would have been even more exciting if we'd have brought everything current and then gone a little bit further as well. I think whether you're a chief constable, whether you're head of an IT company, whoever you are, it's not about us. It's about the people that you're providing a service to. And therefore, when you're making decisions about tech, you shouldn't be thinking, oh, you know, well, we've we've just done this, therefore we've done enough and let's give this five years now, we'll try again. You should always be thinking, I need to go that extra step because that will look after, you know, my citizen, that will protect my citizen. And I think the changes have been amazing and thank God they've happened, but we've got to keep persuading people, whatever their role, that they're not more important than the people that they're serving and therefore they have to keep looking at the new tech at the things not because it's tech and it's fancy but it's because it does something that makes your job easier and provides a good quality service to your citizens yeah i mean i think it was huge acceleration it, mm. it has started to slow but actually i do think it's changed people's mindsets and i think you can see that in different police forces around reviving digital strategies and and appetites to have conversation and engage but it's difficult for me really to know because I I kind of I was in in policing in COVID in in both in counter-terrorism policing and back in in Leeds as a head of safeguarding where we were in a different sense trying to manage the safety of vulnerable victims of domestic abuse and you know that was also that challenge of physical contact and managing the risk so yeah, it, it, it's I've, I've been on both sides through a COVID period. Yeah. Um, so the before and after is, yeah, is exactly. interesting. I've seen it from the other side now. Yeah. So taking it back 
I think just a, a few steps. It's just interesting to sort of understand how he sort of fell into the sort of um, tech sector or had that sort of passion for policing and now, of course, how they've sort of merged. So as sort of, I'd say, you know, specialists in your in your field, what do you think industry or wider could do to encourage girls' interest in STEM, STEM subjects um, and careers in IT? It's a $4 million it's a question. Big question. That's not enough role models, in my opinion. Well, there isn't. Oh, yeah. You just can't visualise it, can you? So we, we were the first year at school that did computer science, computer studies, and we were the first year that did GCSEs. So we were actually the first year that did GCSEs in computer studies. They were O-levels o before GCSEs? O-levels o before GCSEs. CSEs, yeah. And I remember back in the day that it, it just felt all about, you know, coding, nerdy sort of, you'd picture it as nerdy, geeky coders which is a terrible thing to say but that that's kind of how it was it was sort of done at the time unless you were into your computer gaming which my brother was and it just feels like not that perception nothing's really changed like it feels like you know if you're going to get into tech it's still about developing and coding and all that stuff which there's nothing wrong with but people still have that nerdy perception in their minds and actually if you look at what we do we're not nerds, we're not geeks, we're certainly not coding. We, you know, we wear pretty clothes, we put our makeup on, you know, it's it it's a it's not a glamorous job by any means, but it's an it's a nice job. You get to meet nice people, you go and do interesting things. And I'm just not sure that, and I don't know because I don't have kids and I don't certainly therefore don't have kids in school, but I just don't know if the industry is portrayed in the right way. Mm when talking to young girls in school, if you imagine being a 15-year-old school today, all you want to do is wear, you know, the, whatever the latest trend in makeup is, watch the Kardashian, talk, TikTok, influence, you know, you want to make your money that way. And I just don't think there's been, there's enough done to show girls that actually you can have nice handbags, you can wear makeup, you can wear pretty frocks and go to nice places. And I, don't, I think until we do that, certainly from a girl's perspective, I don't think in today's age I'd be, interested in it we we've said we fell into it yeah but I think also there's not really any women that I can think of that have done really well that I think of straight to mind right and did these big computers there are loads but I can't think of any well I was going to ask I was going to actually say on the point of, of role models we'll come back to the question so yeah. if I were to ask you you know honestly who is your female role model and then honestly who is your female role model in tech or policing who, who are they um I don't have one in tech. I, I really respect Sarah Crew for what she's doing in Rasso, and she's like a dog with a bone. Magnifies with Vogue as Magnifies well. Magnifies with Vogue. So I really, but but they've got there because they've had to because there's, there was nobody else really doing that probably before them. So I I appreciate and respect them for doing that, but it feels a shame even that it has to be a woman doing that. Right? It could be anybody. It could be mm. you know man or woman. I don't really have a tech mental I can't think of all, all the tech people that I've sort of seen and thought that's brilliant have been guys I like Moira I agree and but I think back to your original question what do we do for girls doing STEM subjects I think we've got to make it known that it is the and it's not just about the coding I mean I have got a 15 year old daughter and she would like to go into criminology which would be brilliant you did yeah but if I said criminology and tech, she'd probably turn my nose up because that would be boring. So we need to change the perception and show the variety of roles that you can do in tech. And you don't have to be one of the techies 
you keep using the code code example you could be building relationships you could be setting yeah. strategy you could be an industry expert in a particular yeah. field and it might have changed like that's a syllabus like when I was at university so I left in oh, I don't know my 20, no, 20, <laughs> 20 it must have been like 2014 or 2015 I think what are we now 20 23 2023 roughly then anyway <laughs> we won't dwell on that but I'm pretty sure there wasn't a module that you could take that had anything tech related that's interesting oh really nothing interesting. So it was about like criminal justice right and court, more like courts that side of things so when it came to um my final year modules so there was, so there was nothing in tech in criminology was if, do you remember seeing tech as an option at some point and going no. oh that was boring and just never no i don't i don't remember and that's it it might have changed now and i remember in school because again so gcs so gcse's didn't have the it wasn't at, wasn't an option that you could take at yeah. my school um nor was it at my prep school i don't know what that what what's prep <laughs> as common as no we, we never went to prep school no. whatever. but <laughs> at my when i was young young when i sort of primary thank you that's the <laughs> word i was looking for no primary you did you learned how to touch type <laughs> you learned how to touch type and that was literally it I didn't. So I didn't have an option. There was no option for me. Because because if it if it hadn't changed by, I mean, I left school in 1988. I didn't go to university. So I went straight into research. Trying to make whether it's a prep school or a primary school. Between two between 1988 and 2014 or whatever, nothing changed. But uh, also in the sorry, Charlotte, in the strategic command courses and in the, the police office do, I think it's only relatively recently that they've introduced a tech module, haven't they? They didn't really put a big focus yeah. on it, did they? No, that's correct. Well, and, uh, I think you know what you say about stereotypes is a big one here. You know that traditional geek in front of a computer with glasses, you know, and and the smart people wear glasses, and <laughs> yeah. and, and usually you know spotty teenagers cool. that kind of thing it's not it's not cool yeah. it, 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 it's not love island is it how can we make it cool though <laughs> so, uh, we have to push ourselves out there and it's also role models isn't it it's yeah. about telling stories about the, the innovative and the great stuff that yeah. handy does do and that we really want to be instrumental yeah it, it does start it starts with us as well we have to be cheerleaders for women lead the way for other women but there's something as well around how we help those that come next so there's lots of stuff that goes on in universities community groups and charities yeah. that might help young women pursue technology and we we can challenge those stereotypes yeah. ourselves by by just being authentic yeah we have to lead by example for sure and you started answering my next question actually charlotte <laughs> which was how can we whether you, I, I, I'd call three of you role models. Um, you've been in this industry longer than me. I've come, come in and learned a hell of a lot from you. So how do we do better in informing the next generation? So around that importance of actually having a diverse workforce and how we sort of need to be, like Charlotte said, sort of cheerleaders for other women. Well, and I think that if you've got a reasonably senior role or a voice in your organisation, I think we as women need to make it our mission to make sure that it's a strategic objective yeah. at the t most senior level in the company, make sure equality is at the top of the agenda. 
that's my I think we need to also identify not necessarily us academics probably would be better doing this than us but identifying what is the point when women lose the will to 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 find work like this because we know that kids are like sponges and then they get to teenage years and they get distracted Mm -hmm. you said it found the boy I did I was playing piano at a very high grade until I discovered that there were boys in the world and it all became about getting a boyfriend and and I think there's that there's that era where we 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 want to watch again the Kardashians we want to look like them we want to be like them and then girls go into university and there was a report done a while back that said that we girls women come out of university with higher scores than the guys yeah the majority of the best scores are women so what happens after they leave university what happens to them where do they go because then all we see is we go well, up the age groups industry, is dropout. and that's what I mean but they go into industry and then so for whatever reason, they may be not targeted to attract women in, into it. But even if they target them, are they measuring that? Are they saying, like, what's the attrition rate for keeping women? Um, we know that women get paid less than men in the same jobs. There's a whole bunch. Whole yeah. Bunch of and, then, and therefore do a piece of work on identifying that and then putting that right. Because then you've got women wanting to have children and a lot of women don't come back to work after having children and then you get to sort of my age at 50 where I'm like you know what it's been a tough 25 years doing you know tech and whatever so I can't can't wait to retire and go off and live my life in the Lake District and and enjoy the countryside and stuff so so how do you get then people like me into the boardroom because a lot of us check out when we get to a certain age depending if it's having kids post kids you know, coming back to work, it not being what you thought it was going to be and then into the boardroom. So there's a whole load of work to be done because you, whatever you do, just because you want to hire more women doesn't mean to say you're going to get more women. You have to. I'm going to be not devil's advocate, but flip this on his head a little bit. Yeah. In a sense of, so where we see, and this is coming away from this question a little bit, but still sits within the sort of diverse workforce, where we're seeing, so Tech UK has a no manal policy. So if we run a panel, we yeah. can't have all men. Yeah. If we sit on a panel, it can't be all men. But on the flip side of that is, do you ever feel like you're then the token woman? Yeah. So if you're asked to then sit on a panel, yes. do you sometimes then feel like, and this is really being devil's advocate, so are people, is it sort of, you're never going to, you're never going to please everyone, you're never going to win. I'm playing total devil's yeah. advocate here because I've had a situation yes. like that. Well, I was asked to sit on a panel with four men and I said no because I feel like I'm the token woman. I got hired from a company who was hiring women and I got hired and, and then wasn't really looked after, wasn't really involved in the same way I feel and I questioned every single day was that because I was just hired because I was a woman? Because they were hiring women at that point. So was I just the token woman that came in and then they weren't bothered about me because they checked a box? It's a horrible feeling. Yeah. Don't want to be a tick box. Got to be, no. be the right person for the I, job, hasn't it? I think it's been proven that, that businesses that actively um, seek out a more diverse um, workforce are more successful because we bring a whole yeah. different perspective. But it's not just about being sort of feminist and, you know, it, it makes sense, right? The more diversity you've got in any group, you know, the more choices, the more opinions, the, the better it's got to be. So, mm. what are your thoughts, Charlotte? I mean, I, I agree with everything that's been said. I think it's 
it's really difficult because in some ways I've got hope that next generations will be far more aware of you know diversity uh, equity and inclusion I, I think that already seems to be there but there's got to be something about having more open conversations and for people to be inquisitive about difference and to not be afraid to say actually I think I'm the token woman yeah, yeah. and have somebody challenge that or to say well why not that person or I equally think it's important to acknowledge men's feelings about these things because actually there's a lot of white heterosexual males in this world who who really feel like they're in stuck between a rock and a hard place they don't know what to say they feel disadvantaged and and it should be about individuals individual abilities skills merit but whilst there is underrepresentation when a woman gets the role or somebody the same thing happens with people from ethnic minority backgrounds actually if they get it on their merit the conversation is not usually about their merit. It's about yeah. they got it because they're a woman or they got it because yeah. they're black or whatever it might yeah. be. And that takes away their credibility. It takes yeah. away that achievement because that's kind of the culture that we've moved towards yeah. and that isn't right. And there's something about how yeah. how that conversation needs to change moving forward where people yeah. don't just go, oh, well, they just got it because they identify a certain way so for me it's about the power of a team about individuals and about celebrating success based on diversity that's actually really meaningful and purposeful in the way that you've said Moira it's got to be the right person for the job but I agree with you I think the more we keep saying and I guess I guess this podcast is a bit of a contradiction, therefore, isn't it? If we keep saying, why are there not more women in, in tech, in policing, in this and that, we're always going to bring attention to it. And maybe it's just the way it's going to be because women typically, you know, we're very different. Men, very black and white, us, we, we reach between the lines and we're emotional. Maybe that's just the way it's always going to be. And it's not because somebody's hiring the wrong people it's just because women don't want to work in tech and women don't want to be a police officer or maybe we as women are very happy to speak up about it and actually we need to work with those other women that perhaps don't 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 do it and it is it's calling out that behavior to say no I won't be your token woman on this panel or yeah no don't talk to me that way you wouldn't speak to a man that way you wouldn't call a man forceful but you called me forceful calling out that behavior yeah and not being afraid to do it yeah appreciate not everyone's going to be happy doing that but actually if we can host sessions like this and just talk about you know everyone has similar or you know similar thoughts on this has gone through similar situations and actually if we don't say anything nothing is I personally think nothing will change it won't it won't change and it's sadly I'm, I'm maybe I'm speaking to everyone here it, it's going to take a certain generation of confident strong bold what I was also going to say women. a certain a generation of men okay to die off before we can make some real progress because yeah. from experience that's where I've had the most uncomfortable interactions yeah as being a woman in tech in policing yeah um certain generations that are less open to perhaps these types of conversations I'm trying to say this with a lot of caution because it is not 
all men no, of a certain not. generation. It is not. There are some really fantastic champions out yeah, yeah, there yeah, who are really supporting people like myself and other women in this industry and are doing some great stuff. But it's a fraction of, you know, and that's what's yeah. sad and that's what needs to change in my eyes. And also yeah. quite unique because you're quite young as well. Yes. That's just what I was going to say. It's It's women, younger women, certainly in tech, I can't speak for policing, but certainly younger women in tech will say, including myself, and I know the same for you, Moira, we have had experiences when we were younger that we don't get anymore because we probably bring a different confidence being the older woman with lots more life experience and so well, on. I'm sure, but, I'd like to say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like a good cheese. Yeah. <laughs> but certainly when you're younger, I think there is always going to be an element of some men, again, the minority, who are just going to see that as a vulnerability because yeah. you're young and you're new to the industry where they think they can they can sort of go after that and, and use it to their own advantage. And I think having this conversation, you know, we might think that we're saying something controversial. And if you're listening to this podcast and you think anything that we've said is controversial, genuinely would love to hear from you. Yeah. I think it's really important to say these things because I'm sure, you know, we're not going to be the only ones yeah. saying them. And you can't always be afraid of what you say. I think we're now living in a society where you say anything that doesn't quite fit everything correctly, then you're scared of being you know, dragged down and cancelled, they call it these days. Mm. Afraid of being cancelled. But nothing's cancelled, to be fair. But you, you're going to get somebody come after you because you've used the wrong verb, adjective, whatever, you know, somebody's going to come after you. And so you don't speak. So it's actually, could get worse for, for young girls needing to speak up. And your guys. But it's really important that we help create the right culture so that everyone has got a voice. Yeah. And especially in male-dominated industries. Yes. Such as tech and Policing. Yeah. So, what do you want your legacy to be for women, mm. or as a woman in tech in policing, telling me you're you're, you're aging like a fine wine? <laughs> How you know what what would your legacy? What would you like that to be? I think it for me, it's just about being brave, speaking your mind, and and you know standing up for what you think is right. For me, I, my legacy I just want to work hard. And to do the right thing. Yeah. And that's that's all I would ask for, really. Yeah. I, I'd probably echo that. I think I want my life to have mattered. Yeah. Um, to have made a difference to the world and to the people that I interacted with. I want people to know that I cared and I had integrity and that I was about doing the right thing. And I, I think we all probably share that because yeah, yeah. of the connection that we have to policing public sector justice. So... I think for me, it's about people understanding that we've all got a part to play in making the world a better place. And it might only be like the tiniest contribution, but actually everybody has got the power to be able to yeah. do that. And I guess the other thing, given the career change, is not to be afraid to make changes if you're not happy. Yes. That actually you can change the things you can control and find a way to manage those that you can't. Yeah. That's my motto, actually. Change what you can change and the rest will take care of itself. Your T-shirt slogan? No, my, just my motto. <laughs> Life motto. <laughs> That's just because I can't, you know, there are, there's so much you can change in your life, personal, professional, whatever. So change it if you're unhappy, just change it. There's yeah. so much you can't change to change the things that you can change. And um, I think for me, I would like to think that I've shown resilience for for being a woman because the amount of times 
for different reasons I've had to pick myself up personally and, and professionally and dust myself off and start again and just get on with it and, and show that you can still be successful. You know, I don't know if men have to do that very often in their careers or in their lives, but I've done it a lot. And I think resilience is so important in this role, in this in this life and just trying, just constantly trying, trying to do better, trying different things, you know, and just keep going till you retire to the lakes and mm -hmm. drink wine and good cheese. <laughs> Charlotte, I quite liked your T-shirt slogan question. I thought we'd forgotten about that. Yeah. So I'm quite, I'm quite keen to hear from you. What, what, what would your T-shirt slogan be actually? Charlotte, you go first. You're on your this this is a tough one for me because I'm really love inspirational quotes yeah. and you know you get the little photos that you find yeah. online and I always I've got a favourites folder on the phone that have the little hearts next to them and I've got reams and reams of them about um that I relate to different parts of my life and and things that I've been through but I think there's there's two that I I went for two I'm sorry I picked two there's two that really kind of stood out for me uh, that symbolise like kind of the last couple of years where I have made that transition out of policing in into the the private sector um, and the first one and just imagine a little goldfish with a shark fin attached to the goldfish be brave even if you're not pretend to be mm -hmm. that's the first one. And then the second one is, if you try and fail, congratulations, most people won't even try. Fair play. So, those, those are mine, I think. Yeah, I had one earlier um, of just bloody try, because I just want people to try different things, again, like I was saying before. But then I remembered I've got something tattooed on, on um, my uh, shoulder, which says, with pain comes strength, which... I, I, I had it tattooed because, again, been through a lot of things and each time I've come through it, I didn't feel like it at the time, but afterwards you realise you've got a bit stronger and that strength takes you through to the next time and the next time. I relate that to my point as well, yeah. can't you? Yeah. I mean, I, mine are really boring. Georgia's got some good ones. Yes, she has. <laughs> I just thought something like, oh, yes, I can. Yeah. Or, um, in charge. I'd like to think I'm yeah. in charge. I well, I am, but come on, Georgia. I mean, I, I actually thought of three. So one actually on Charlotte's like cheerleaders, women. I think women empower women. Yeah, it's quite a good one. Yeah, I then also had feminist, I know, which I thought was quite good. Yes, I like that. And then I am the IT guy. Ah, yeah, I like that. I like yeah. that. So those are the three. Yeah. So the best, Georgie. <laughs> Thanks. I was quite proud of them. Yeah, yeah, very good. Quite proud of them. Very so good. are we getting t-shirts printed in some you know what? Available ten ninety nine. Yeah. All all money created uh, being donated to Georgie's Georgie's hen party. <laughs> Everybody is welcome. Famous last words. <laughs> anyway, I think probably a great point to wrap up our conversation. So, Linda, Moira, Charlotte, thank you so much for sharing your thoughts with us today. Um, and for you know, as part of such an important month, you know, this is for Women in Tech Month. But we do also need to make note that actually the conversation can't really stop here. Yes, it's great that we are running this month to raise awareness, but actually this now needs to be a catalyst for further conversations and us as women, you know, to wave that flag for for women out there and say, you know, hey, join us. You have the opportunity to make such a difference um, across both the tech and policing sectors. 
So my final word, and I guess, you know, important kind of call to action is firstly, please make sure you look at all of the content shared throughout March for the Women in Tech Month. So on our website, www.techuk.org. And then secondly, um, I'll be working with our national security and defence programmes um, as this year we'll be launching a flagship networking event. Um, so this will be on the 20th of June and this will be an evening with sort of senior inspirational leaders across the sectors as we highlight the sort of vital and um, important role women play um, and hear some of their powerful success stories. So this is up on our website. Um, so please check it out. Ladies, thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks,